Welcome to week six of our series on Acts. If you've been reading along with us as we move through this book, you've been learning and diving into the history of the first set of believers. You've seen the movement of a people who took the message of the gospel, or what's called the story of Jesus' life, here, near, and far. You've seen how the dedication and faith of a few men and the gift of the Holy Spirit have spread the good news for all to hear. Now, if you haven't been reading along, I'd encourage you to go back and pick up the book of Acts. Catch up with us. Read through this narrative and see what moving together really looks like. Now, this past Sunday was vision night, and what an amazing time we had worshiping, laughing, celebrating, and dreaming for the future. Now, if you missed the opportunity to attend, I'm sorry, but you missed an amazing event. But you can still go out onto our YouTube page and watch and get caught up. Now, this night, we unveiled the mission and vision for White Oak going into the future. Our mission at White Oak is connecting people to full life in Jesus. And we will do this by following the vision that God puts before us that everyone is on the path to full life by discovering their identity in Jesus, being equipped to love, and deployed for mission. As a result of this new mission and vision, we have also unveiled our new branding. Through prayer, conversations, and planning, we are proud to unveil our new White Oak logo. This logo intentionally shows you the path we are working to get people onto for this full life in Jesus. With this new mission, vision, and branding, we hope this will help tell a consistent and compelling story of who White Oak is and the fact we are looking to bring all people into full life. This is what we're going to be about we're about a group of believers who are going to move together towards this goal. And we will be aiming to expand our circles of impact. I mean, this is what the early church was all about. They were moving people towards full life in Jesus by going out and sharing the gospel with everyone in their lives. Today, we're going to continue the story of Paul's life. Now, if you've missed any of the weeks or you've not been reading with us, let me get you caught up on who Paul is. Now, Paul, he was once an opponent of Christianity. He had been persecuting and killing Christians because of his background, his raising, right? And his commitment to what he believed was the proper vision for faith. Well, Jesus shows up to Paul, and, and, and as a result of this interaction and the result of that experience, and as well as his time with other Christians, he's converted. And he begins learning from and preaching alongside the disciples. Because of this new commitment, Paul begins to be persecuted, just like he had done in the past. And so he's being moved around from Damascus to Jerusalem, and then he heads into Syria, right? And last week, we heard how Paul and Barnabas, how they were preaching and spreading the good news in Antioch. And then we see that God 
called and sent Paul and Barnabas to go out for his vision. So they traveled to more cities like Cyprus, like Iconium, and Lystra. Now when they're in Lystra, Paul again is persecuting. He's so badly attacked that they stoned him. Now you may remember from the stories earlier in Acts that Paul had done the same thing to Stephen. He was part of that when Stephen was stoned to death. Paul is now experiencing the same persecution and hardship. Now these people, they just suppose Paul's dead, and so they, they drag him out of the city. Because, I mean, like, quite frankly, who wants a dead guy just rotting inside the city? Well, it turns out that Paul is not dead. So he gets up, he goes and joins Barnabas again. And so they head to some of the same cities where they'd been previously before ending up back in Jerusalem. Now, Paul just doesn't give up there. He pushes forward. And this helps set up today's big idea. Keep your eyes on God no matter the circumstance. Now, at this point, Paul and Barnabas are heading back to address an issue that had come up among the believers. There are these people who are saying that for the Gentiles to really be saved, they needed to be circumcised. This was an Old Testament law that was tied to the covenant with God. However, Peter and Paul and Barnabas are believers who are trying to point out that this really wasn't necessary. That the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us was enough. And that all the Gentiles needed to do was repent and be baptized and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Here's what Peter says in Acts chapter 15. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Peter is proclaiming what God has pushed him towards, which is that all people deserve to be saved by faith and faith alone. And so as a result of this, Paul and Barnabas, they're sent again on a mission to the Gentile nations. However, before they go out, the two of them have a disagreement. They get in an argument and they go their separate ways. So this brings us to the beginning of chapter 16, which is where we will spend much of our time together. Now at this point, Paul joins up with a man named Silas, and he goes back to Lystra, and this is where he meets Timothy. For any of you Bible readers out there, you know that Timothy becomes one of Paul's trusted students and friends. This is someone who Paul mentors and trains in the ways of the faith. Acts tells us that he takes him on this mission with him. Now, just to take an aside, this is important for us as believers. You see, just like Jesus, we're never meant to be on this mission alone. Paul never did much of his work by himself, and he was either walking alongside a fellow believer or mentoring and training someone like Timothy. So my question to you is, who are you on mission with? You should be mentored by someone who has been in faith longer than you. This is someone who is further along the path of being a committed follower. You should be, it could be your spouse, or it could be your family. I would also encourage you to think about who you can mentor. Someone who is either just getting on the path to full life or is new to faith. This was an important part of God's mission plan, to not be doing any of this on your own. At this point, Paul has intentions to go to a place called Bithynia and share the faith. But God has other plans. They're led not to go there by the Spirit of Jesus and instead end up at a place called Troas. Here's what it says happened while they were in Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, the interesting thing about Acts is that we know Luke wrote this story. However, until this point in the story, he's been writing this in the third person. Now, what do we notice here? What do we see in this passage? It's starting to say, we. He writes, we. This is the point of the story where Luke actually meets and joins up with Paul and Silas. How does it happen? Who knows? Luke really doesn't feel compelled to tell us how this happens, how he meets Paul and Silas. Now, something we know about Luke is that he was a student of medicine, or he was possibly even just a doctor. Well, another thing we know about Paul and what historians say is that many of them believed he suffered from some type of medical malady or maybe even some type of disability. Shoot, even if that weren't true, he was just nearly stoned to death earlier in the story, not too long before all this. Certainly, he may have sustained lifelong injuries from that experience. So I like to imagine that Paul probably searched out medical help in Troas, and this is how he met Luke. And just think, here's Luke tending to Paul, looking after his wounds, and all the while Paul is sharing the gospel. Luke was physically saving Paul's life while the Holy Spirit was spiritually saving Luke's life. I think what we can take from this might be that we should never miss an opportunity to share the good news. Just like we talked about last week, we've heard that you've been sent. Where are you going? Sometimes we're called to go into new and different places, but wherever we go, whoever we talk to, we should regularly be sharing the gospel with those people in our lives. So, Paul and Silas, and I'll just start calling them the gang, okay? They head into a place called Philippi. Now, when they are there, they meet a woman named Lydia. Here's how they meet. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. A few things about Lydia that should be noted here. One is that it says she is a seller of purple goods. Now for us, This kind of seems like a trivial piece of of information, right? Like, who cares? Oh, she sells purple stuff. Big deal. But remember, in these times, dyes, colored fabrics, they weren't average. That wasn't a normal thing. Actually, most clothes that people wear were probably tan or brown because that was the color of the wool and the materials they were made of. If you had colored clothes, it meant you had money. This was a sign of wealth. And so for someone to be selling these things and to be making them, they were probably pretty wealthy as well. This would equate her to kind of being like the owner of a company like Prada or Chanel. Second is that she invites them to stay at her home. 
since Lydia is so wealthy, we have to assume her home is pretty nice. She probably lives in the equivalent of, of a mansion that we have today. I mean, can you imagine the difference in situation here for Paul? One second you've got Paul and the gang plodding through the desert, right? And now they're staying in a mansion. And that would be easy for them to just stay in this moment and just not move forward. But he, this is not what happens. Remember, keep your eyes on God no matter the circumstance. But they don't stay there long. As they're traveling through the region, they're approached by a young girl. And here is what it says happens. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who has spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So here is this girl in this story who's got a spirit of divination, right? Well, basically what that means is that she's got an evil spirit inside of her, helping her to see things that other people could not see. And so the people who owned her, they're using her. They're taking advantage of her. They're making money off of her. Now, the amazing thing is that this evil spirit inside of her actually knew who Paul and his friends were. It was acknowledging the power of the Holy Spirit inside of these men. You see, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, even the evil spirits of this world recognize the power God brings. Well, she continues to follow them around. She's following around them, going wrong with them. And the story says that Paul decides to address this slave girl. Here's what it says. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Can't you picture this? Here's Paul and the gang walking around. And this girl keeps following them and saying all this. Now here's the thing. What she's saying is true. And you'd think that Paul would be okay with her proclaiming the good news of who these men were. But you see, the issue here is not about what she was saying, but it's the one doing the proclaiming. While Paul would surely love the promotion, he doesn't want Satan running his advertising campaign. And so he's done with it. He's getting annoyed with her constant talking. Now, this would be like me and with my kids sitting in the backseat of the car saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Paul gets annoyed and says, hey, evil spirit, get out of that girl. Next time you get annoyed with your kids in the car, why don't you try that one with them? See how it goes. Now, while this was a good thing for the slave girl, it was not a good thing for her owners. Remember, they were using this girl to their advantage. They were making money off of her. So what did they do? They go and have Paul and Silas arrested. Now, Scripture tells us that they were beaten, that their clothes were torn from their body, right? And so they're thrown in prison, and they're bound by their feet in stocks. They've gone from the mansion of Lydia 
into a prison not even being able to stand and most likely heading for a slow and miserable death. Have you been there? Have you been on the mountaintop only to slip and fall all the way down to the bottom? Maybe it's your marriage you thought was strong only to find out that your spouse was unfaithful. Maybe it's those friends you had who you thought you could trust and it turns out that they're talking about you behind your back. Maybe you were on your way to playing professional sports or, or playing sports in college only to have it ended by an injury. Maybe you were on the way to the top of your profession and then you get pulled into a meeting only to be downsized. Maybe everything was going well in your life and then you get that cancer diagnosis. Listen, Paul and Silas are there. They're at the bottom. But let's watch what, about, what, just, what happens next. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now here are Paul and Silas in prison. What are they doing? It says clearly that they were praying and singing hymns to God. These guys were locked by their feet and they were singing. Boy, I tell you what, when I'm having a rough day or I'm going through hard times, this is not the first thing on my mind. But remember today's big idea. Keep your eyes on God, no matter the circumstance. Paul and Silas are continuing to keep their eyes fixed on the glory of Jesus. So in response, they sing, they pray, and a miracle happens. They are basically able to go free. Let's see what happens next. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we all are here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul and Silas choose not to leave. Why? You see, this jailer, he was responsible for these men. And if they escaped, and even if it was a natural disaster that was the root cause, he was going to be punished and most likely put to death. So what was he going to do? He was about to kill himself. I imagine the Holy Spirit said to Paul and Silas, this guy needs you. They chose to stay because they knew their actions would have led to his harm if they left. They chose the righteous path over the selfish paths. As a result, not only was this man brought into full life but also his entire family. Can you say that you've been able to do that? 
I mean, when faced with the right choice versus the selfish choice, can you always say you've done what is right? It might be easy to do what's right when people are watching, but how are you at doing this when the decision is when only you know? Listen, I've made the selfish decision before. I put myself before others. I've let my hard-headed nature towards things take precedent over doing what was right for everyone. This is sin. This is pride. Remember, keep your eyes on God no matter the circumstance. When you get to these places where you have to choose, think about what this might mean for the soul of another person. See, Paul and Silas are eventually freed, and they're able to be free and move about again. What this story says to me is important, so I, I want you to hear it as well. No matter what life gives to us, we need to be focused on our mission. You see, for Paul, he had experienced some serious ups and downs. He was blind. Then he was healed and was preaching and changing hearts. Then his old friends tried to murder him. Then he makes a new friend, Barnabas. Then he gets stoned nearly to death. He lives and he gets called to serve God again. But he and his friend, his new friend Barnabas, they stop talking. Then he meets Lydia and gets to live in a mansion. But then he and his friend are thrown in prison. But even through all of these situations, Paul and Silas praise God. They sang. I mean, can you imagine the other prisoners? I bet they're thinking, don't these guys know this is prison? Now, later in life, Paul is sitting in another prison in Rome, and he writes a letter to these people whom he helped find full life. Lydia, the slave girl, the jailer. Now, this letter is called Philippians. And in this letter, he says the following, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So, once again in a low, Paul is acknowledging to keep your eyes on God no matter the circumstance. He tells these people that when in whatever situation we need to be content. And here's the thing, he's not just talking about the bad times. You see, in the hard times of life, we can find it pretty easy to say, you know, I just need to have faith. I gotta trust God. God will, will give me the strength to push forward. But remember what Paul said, he said, whatever situation. This means that even in the good times, we need to be content in the faith and the blessings of God. And we need to trust 
in Him. When we're in the top of our class at school, we need to keep our eyes on God. When we're unable to find work, keep our eyes on God. On your wedding day, keep your eyes on God. When you lose a child, keep your eyes on God. When someone at your work or your school treats you badly, keep your eyes on God. When we keep our eyes on God, we'll begin to see things the way He sees them. We'll be able to see ourselves the way He sees us, and we will give Him praise in all situations. We will sing we are in the highs, and the same songs will come from our lips when we are in our lows. And because of this faith and this commitment to our Savior, others will look at us and they'll want to know how we are singing from the mountaintops or even in the eye of the storm. They will look at us and our faith and they will want the full life that we have. They will want to be in relationship with Him. And in this way, we can be the evidence of a Savior. You see, Jesus, He chose to take the cross and He did the same. In the midst of His pain and in the midst of denial and hate, He felt love. He looked to His Father and praised Him even in the lowest part of His life. He did this so we could praise His Father even in those same moments of our lives. Remember, keep your eyes on God no matter the circumstance. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have given us everything and in all things we need to be content in what you've given to us and what we have. You have given us strength in every circumstance and we ask, Lord, that we would rely on you throughout these times, in the good, in the bad, and everything in between, that we would look to you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.